This is Dan Wharton Uncancelled. Let's go. political turmoil unleashed on the country today by treacherous Tory rebels has overshadowed what should have been an incredible moment of pride for the entire nation. The historic Platinum Jubilee not only celebrated our incomparable Queen, it showed the future of the monarchy is secure, especially if the stunning balcony moment yesterday evening featuring the Queen, Charles, Camilla, William, Kate, George, Charlotte and Louis is anything to go by. And it also proved that the surly and detached Duke and Duchess of Woke are no longer central to the future of the royal family. In fact, the British public has quite clearly turned on the miserable Montecito runaways. And breaking tonight, the Sussexes have just released the first picture of their daughter, Lilibet, as a toddler. It's to mark her first birthday, which was on Saturday, and perhaps a bit by Harry and Meghan to get back into the headlines after being really a jubilee non-entity. Lady Colin Campbell, I mean, this was a historic weekend for the royal family, wasn't it? But when it came to Harry and Meghan, I think, I don't know if you agree, but I think it's now clear that they need the monarchy more than the monarchy needs them. Oh, but that was always a fact. Uh, I think what's really apparent is that they're a busted flush. You know, my understanding is that they are absolutely spitting bricks, that they're very upset, that they're in fact very concerned that their brand has been irretrievably damaged by the fact that the whole world now knows that they are not only third-tier royals, but that nobody actually... <laughs> sorry, sorry, you need to grab the dog. Somebody needs to grab... Oh, for God's sake. Dog Lady C. Lady C is taking control. That. Oh, beautiful. Sorry. Beautiful. Uh, it's the puppy. They just want to be it's part the puppy. of the And she's, she, she, yes. And she, yeah, but they, they are a busted flush and it's very apparent. And my understanding is, is that they are really concerned uh, that their brand is irretrievably damaged and that nobody is going to be able to want to refer them hereafter because they have been quite visibly shown to be reviled by the British people. And also, behind the scenes, I have to tell you, there were 70 people in that room looking at Trooping the Colour with them, every single one of whom went out of their way to avoid them as much as possible. So it wasn't only the British public that was cold-shouldering them, it was within the family and within the British establishment as well that they were being cold-shouldered. And you know, Harry and Meghan had been asked to everything. They were on the list 
for everything. They were supposed to have shown up at the luncheon at Guildhall. They were supposed to have shown up for the party at the palace. They were supposed to have been a part of the Jubilee Parade. They timed their exit to leave before the Jubilee Parade ended so that they could sneak out of the country like thieves having been caught in the act. I mean, the ignominiousness of it all, the ignominy of it all, is highly embarrassing and very exposing for them as a brand. No, it's very interesting, Lady C. I also heard about that reaction from the establishment, but also the royal family towards them too, actually. A lot of people saying to me, look, everyone thinks it's Prince Andrew who's the royal pariah. Well, actually, amongst the family who believe that Prince Andrew is innocent, they view Harry and Meghan as the royal pariahs, not Prince Andrew. And Lady C, it was so terrible that they didn't turn up to that event at the Guild Hall. I actually spoke to one of the guests who said, because it's a whole selection of rooms at the Guildhall and various royals were working in various different rooms. And I spoke to one of the guests who was left mm. incredibly disappointed because they had no royal in their room and they were told by organisers it was because Harry and Meghan didn't bother to show up. Well, they didn't bother to show up because they, they could not contain their rage when, you see, when they arrived and they were booed, uh, and their boos, they had, they expected a possibility of boos. So they had their paid claque of supporters there to chair them along, which, so that was sort of all right-ish. They didn't like that they were booed, but they walked into the cathedral and absolutely everyone cold-shouldered them in a way that only civilized people can do when they are cold-shouldering people. Nobody caught their eye. You know, it was, it was studiedly unnaturally polite, but freezing cold. And they realized between the booing and the cold shouldering that they got from everybody, then and my understanding is that by the time they left, they were absolutely spitting bricks. And then the coup de grace, as far as they were concerned, was not only that they were booed, but while they were waiting for their car, that nobody would speak to them except Zara. Mike Tyndall avoided them like the plague. He made absolutely sure he didn't catch their eye. There's Meghan speaking to herself with him four inches away from her. But I also will tell you, they hijacked that car. Did you realize they weren't supposed to be in that car? They were supposed to be in the bus with all of the third tier royals. And the reason why they, they were 15 minutes late for the appointed meeting with at Clarence House to make sure that they would miss the bus so that they would appear later because you know, Processions are done in order of diminishing or increasing rank. So the least important will go first and the most important will go last entering a building and it's vice versa leaving the building. And they realizing that they had been lumped with the, 
never was is so much as the has-beens, they decided that they were going to be late and miss their slot. I see, and so they, they could go on their own. Fascinating insight, Lady C. I do want mm. to talk positively about what we saw on the balcony last night, because it actually didn't matter... Mm that Harry and Meghan weren't there. Prince Charles presented his vision for a slimmed-down monarchy. Mm. Of course, in, um, initially, it was going to include Harry and Meghan. They would have been on the balcony for that moment if they hadn't have gone through with mm. Megxit. But actually, it didn't matter, did it? It was lovely to see Charles and Camilla, the Queen, and then Kate and William with their three children, who really stole the show throughout the Jubilee. And, and I oh, think okay. that's a strong mm. future of the monarchy right there, Lady C. Do, do you agree? I couldn't agree more. And isn't that Louis an absolute scene stealer? He's like Aurora. <laughs> they are the, he was such a scene, scene stealer. He was, you know, he he was just adorable, <laughs> you know. But he I mean, it, 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 we, don't, we don't need Harry and Meghan. It's obvious the country don't doesn't need them, the monarchy doesn't need them, the royal family doesn't need them, nobody needs them. And the British people have made their feelings very clear. Harry and Meghan are passé. Let's see what happens from here on in, because I understand that they are both extremely upset by the fact that they have been unmasked as being pretenders and that they have been unmasked as being unimportant. And you know, Meghan didn't marry Harry because he had an IQ of 27. She married him because he was a prince. Let's see how much marriage there, the how, let's see how much further the marriage goes. Well, it's going you to know, be fascinating to see. That the marriage, mm, Great mm. analysis, Lady C. Thank you so much. As ever, it certainly wasn't a good weekend for them. But it's time now for Uncancelled. And this is where Britain's top commentators speak out on controversial issues without the fear of the cancel culture sweeping the rest of the media. And as you know, breaking tonight, Boris Johnson has survived his no-confidence vote among Tory MPs and will remain leader of the Conservative Party and our Prime Minister. But with leadership vultures still circling the PM, the biggest headache for reckless party rebels is working out who would replace Boris if they still eventually get their way. The PM might not be perfect, but some of the names vying for his job are underwhelming at best and embarrassing or even a little bit scary at worst. For starters, bookie's favourite Jeremy Hunt was last year demanding mandatory vaccinations, harder lockdowns, and according to Nadine Dorries today, wanted to drag COVID-positive Brits out of their homes and put them in isolation units. But no matter how you would describe the would-be contenders, there are real fears. Toppling Boris will lead to a horrific socialist coalition of Labour, the SNP, Lib Dems and Greens. Real Conservatives and their small-c counterparts are all aligned on keeping that kind of woke liberal nightmare at bay. Lionel Shriver with me now on this busy night. So, Lionel, has this no-confidence vote been a terrible betrayal of the Tory faithful? And just where do voters go from here if they are trying to avoid that socialist coalition? Well, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the Telegraph Letters page. <laughs> and uh, I've been reading for months, if not years, countless uh, party members, 
uh, and and just voters writing in declaring that um, they will never uh, declare they will never vote conservative again. And I'm just curious, you know, for which party are they planning to vote then? I understand why a lot of conservative voters might be disappointed with uh, Boris Johnson's leadership. Um, he ha- he hasn't done very well on on energy. He uh, he, his economics are uh, quasi socialist, uh, but you know there's nowhere to go. And so, if we're talking about a crisis for the conservative party, in some ways, either way, whether whether Boris stays or goes, we don't know who would replace him, as you said. So, you know, whatever's behind door number three could be an equal catastrophe. I don't want to see this country in the hands of Keir Starmer and his uh, merry men. I just, I, I think it would be a catastrophe, and yet I, I don't see a very happy future from here. And I, I'm not quite sure how Boris Johnson um, turns things around. Now that said, I don't give a toss about Partygate. I, I know that puts me in a, a minority with a lot of people, but. Um, I was much more concerned about the um, the rules themselves, yes. which were ridiculous. They were ridiculous. They didn't make any difference to uh, the spread of the disease. Uh, they didn't save anybody's life, and 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 ruined our days. You know. Also, uh, you know, did a lot of emotional damage to people who who were losing loved ones or. Um, you know, weren't able to go to their own father's funeral or what have you. I mean, I, the, what I really blame Boris Johnson for is the lockdowns. And I don't care if he infringed on his own rules. I care about the rules. And at some point we need to have a reckoning in this country over the fact that they did, those lockdowns did not work. They were not epidemiologically effective. And they did enormous damage. So in terms of just the big story here, I'm relieved that Boris Johnson wasn't kicked out of office for going to a a few parties. I just think that's a very sad, lame story to lose a leader over. But, you know, if if uh, people of conscience had got together and and said, you know, we, we've done our homework. The evidence was actually available before the second and third lockdowns were declared. This was one of the biggest historical mistakes uh, ever. And it's not a good enough excuse that lots of other leaders made it. So we're going to make an example of you uh, to make sure that we never make that mistake again. I could go for that, but not over yeah. Partygate. No, and I completely agree. And I've been saying for months, I wish Boris would say that this proves the rules were an ass. But when it comes to the alternative, Lionel, so what, you've got Starmer on one side with Sturgeon. You know he would have gone for the sorts of totalitarian lockdowns and vaccine mandates that we've seen in countries like New Zealand and Canada. You just know it. That's what he believes in. Then on the other hand, you've got Jeremy Hunt. 
currently the favourite to replace Boris Johnson, who was actually lobbying Nadine Dorries uh, during the pandemic to follow the zero COVID policy of China and forcibly remove Brits who test positive and lock them up. So I just feel like Boris did that only, not... By the way, Sorry, that only got... sounds radical now. At the time, it didn't. No. No, I agree. I agree. But it shows where his true... What his, it shows what his true philosophies about lockdowns are. It shows his authoritarian nature. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. I was And if that's the alternative, uh, you know. So I don't think Boris oh, got lockdowns right. Worse. I absolutely don't. But I just feel like unless Steve Baker's going to number 10 or, or Mark Harper, which, yeah, I'd be all for, but it's probably unlikely that that's going to happen. I How feel about like we've got David to be careful Frost? about the alternative. Well, yes, um, Lord Frost Frost would be absolutely incredible. Of course, right now, he doesn't have a seat in Parliament. But, yeah, I would would be all for Lord Frost as Prime Minister, absolutely. But I think we need a little bit more time for that to happen. It's a very intriguing possibility to end with Lionel Shriver. Thank you so much uh, for joining us on the big breaking news tonight. Of course, Boris Johnson has survived the confidence vote. breaking news that in tonight's confidence vote, Boris Johnson has won the support of 211 MPs, but in a concern for the Prime Minister, 148 of his own voted against. Percentage-wise, that means this is a worse confidence vote for Boris Johnson than John Major, than Theresa May, and even worse than Margaret Thatcher versus Heseltine back in 1990. Personally... I think these Tory rebels need to take a good, hard look at themselves and think what they're doing to the country. But let's get reaction now from Tees Valley, where Ben Houchin, a high-profile Boris backer and the Conservative mayor of Tees Valley, joins me. Of course, lots of very important red wall constituencies where Ben is, and he has the largest electoral mandate in the north of England. Ben, I know Boris has won. Your man has got over the line just, but this must be a very disappointing result for you. I mean, it's just frustrating, Dan, that we're even here in the first place, isn't it? I mean, we've got, uh, we've had two years of COVID. We've obviously delivered Brexit. And then we were starting to hopefully get back to life as normal. Yes, obviously the Prime Minister has uh, questions to answer and he has started to answer those and apologised around the party gate and the drinks in Downing Street. But it just feels like this government just hasn't been allowed to get going because, you know, various people have various agendas post-COVID. Indeed. And tell me about your area, Ben, because you've always been very clear that if Boris goes, the red wall goes. Do you still feel that tonight? Well, all I can point to is the fact that the Prime Minister was up in Teesside again last week and he was still mobbed by members of the public. Everybody wanted a photograph with him. Everybody wanted to come and speak to him. You know, he still has that draw as a politician that no other politician has. And you often worry that, especially the Conservative Party in a time where there isn't an opposition. I mean, Keir Starmer is 
as wet as they come. He's useless. He doesn't have anything that people in the red wall can understand or what he stands for. But what does the Conservative Party do? It often finds that it becomes its own opposition. And, and that's what sadly we're seeing today. And I think, unfortunately, we're going to see more of that as various people who have their own agendas within the party want to try and pull it apart. And ultimately, the people that will lose out is the general public where we're trying to get on and deliver real things for real people. And it's just, unfortunately, we're going to get caught in that Westminster navel-gazing phase that, unfortunately, it feels like we're moving into. So what does Boris Johnson need to do to win the party back? I mean, it's a difficult thing to, to answer because, you know, from what I'm seeing from the outside, there are certain uh, members of the parliamentary party that it didn't matter how big the majority was in this, uh, this vote of confidence today. They were always going to reject that. They were always going to double down on the fact that they, they don't like him for various reasons. It's not just one reason. Um, but I think what we need to do is concentrate and get the parliamentary party to understand what the public actually wants. And I mean, it's frightening. I mean, even just today, we've had both people like Lord Adonis and Keir Starmer on a, on a various different radio station uh, this morning saying that they want to revisit Brexit and renegotiate with the EU. I mean, um, you know, you can just see what's coming down the road and, you know, you can see the remainers within the Conservative Party using this as an opportunity because they think that the party's going in the wrong direction, refusing to recognise that the, the, part, the country voted for Brexit. Only two years ago, the country voted for this uh, Prime Minister with a massive, massive majority. And for those people in the party to pretend as if they would get a similar majority without Boris Johnson, just do not understand the new politics. Um, and it's frustrating, but like I said, I, I don't know what the actual answer is because it feels to me like this uh, purgatory is probably here to stay for a while longer. Ben Alchon, I wanted to ask you about the media too, because that's not something we talk about much in this country. But to me, as someone working in the media, I have watched for the past seven months as they relentlessly use what is a relatively minor scandal in terms of what's now known as Partygate to hammer the Prime Minister night after night, day after day. It feels like the media in this country, the mainstream media in this country, the left wing, the liberal media in this country, the BBC, Sly News, all of that lot, they will not rest until Boris is out. Yeah, I mean, I slightly disagree, Dan, in that I think there were lots of people who had legitimate concerns and were, were genuinely deeply upset with um, some of the actions within Number 10. And it seems to have transpired that, yes, Boris did break the rules, he's apologised for that, but certainly not on the scale or to the extent that you would hear from the media. So I think it's a, a bit more nuanced than that. In the, you know, normal, genuine people had and were upset, and to some extent still are upset with the Prime Minister and the actions, like I say, not just of him, but of Number 10. I think it's got to a stage now where it, it felt like to me that the general public were moving on from that. They had their views on Boris and the way that he'd acted, um, the way that he'd gone about dealing with that situation, either rightly or wrongly. And it seems to now, for some reason, there's a doubling down of um, either whether it's the post the Sue Gray report or whether it's because these uh, smaller group of Conservatives and Conservative MPs are seeing their opportunity drift away and they see that this is the last play of the dice to try and get rid of him. Now, ultimately, all of this is just a stupid political game because nobody actually outside of Westminster cares. With the greatest respect, Dan, I think more people care about the Love Island uh, programme starting we tonight. We don't talk the new about that. <laughs> I mean, they, 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 the more people in the country will be concerned about that tonight than they will be about this infighting. But what they'll hear yeah. on their news channels over the coming days and weeks ahead will be this rerun. Okay. And actually, people ben will be Houchin, upset with the government because they'll say... Thank you so much. The Tees Valley Mirror... 
Dan Wooten here again. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of my podcast, Uncancelled. Did you like what you hear? Well, remember to subscribe, rate and review and join me for more newsmaking interviews, fiery debate and free speech on Dan Wooten tonight every Monday to Thursday from 9pm till 11pm on GB News. 